This morning, Luke's Gospel, chapter number 2. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 2. In Luke 2, I want us to read verse number 39 through the end of the chapter through verse 52. Luke 2, verse 39 through 52. Luke 2 verse 39 says, When they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, talking about Mary and Joseph, they they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child, speaking of Jesus, grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. Those of you who are parents, you can feel the anxiety stirring up within the bosom of Joseph and Mary. Notice here, but they, verse 44, but they supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that After three days, they found him in the temple. Think about it. Three days, they haven't seen him. Three days. Three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold thy father, and I have sought thee sorrowing. That word sorrowing means grieving in torment. Grieving in torment. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. The Bible tells us four things here in in verse 40 about the early childhood of Jesus. In fact, everything we know about Jesus' early years is mentioned in this one verse. Um, um, we see that, first of all, that Jesus grew. Amen. Verse, there in verse 39, uh, it talks about how they performed all the law. He was still a young infant in verse 39, eight days old. If you go back and look at the passage, that it, the context of, that that's talking about. And then in Luke uh, picks up here in verse 41 through, 40, through 52, where he is age 12 according to verse number 42. Now, Don't you ever wonder what Jesus' childhood was like? (laughs) Uh, We we do know that the Son of God, in His humanity, did have a childhood. Although, all we know is what is told us right here. 
And we might wonder, well, what was it like being a child as Jesus? I would wonder what it's like being his half-sibling, wouldn't you? be kind of tough being raised with Jesus. He's your older brother, and, and you're being compared to him. Why can't you be more like Jesus, James? <laughs> Half-brother of Jesus. Um, I don't know if there was any of that going on, but uh, I know that Joseph and Mary show that they had full humanity uh, in how they responded to Jesus' disappearance. And I, I, yeah, I say uh, that uh, uh, it was tough growing up with Jesus because nobody could ever measure up to him, right? Nobody can ever measure up to Jesus. But we know that Jesus grew physically. It says he grew. As he grew physically as well as anyone could grow. He would have had a perfectly well body, healthy because his body was not tainted with by sin, not tainted at all by sin. His blood was not tainted. He had the perfect sinless blood. Uh, just, a, just amazing. No other child had ever or will ever be perfect in growth at the various stages of childhood as Jesus was. I know different children grow at different paces. We have one of our children here that has some growth issues. He has to take some hormones in order to try to help stimulate his growth. When I was little, when I was his age, you would look at me and say, man, what's wrong with that kid? I mean, I was so skinny, I looked like I had been starved to death, but mom and daddy, they made sure I ate. I, my mom, when she'd pack my lunch to, to go work with my dad, she would, she, remember the old brown paper grocery sacks? That's what I carried my lunch in. Not because I, uh, she didn't have lunch bags, it's because she couldn't fit what I needed to eat in a lunch bag. And uh, my, one of my dad's co-workers would, would look at me and he'd eat his one little sandwich and he'd just sit there shaking his head the whole time of what kind of food that I can consume. Uh, and that's because I had some issues as I was growing up. I had issues myself and uh, I don't have those growth issues anymore. I have trouble get, getting it to stop growing. Amen. Some of you, some of you can say uh, that you, you have the same problem as well. But listen, Jesus never had any issues with his growth. He was uh, perfect in growth at the various stages of childhood. We see also that Jesus became strong in spirit. He not only grew, but it says there he waxed strong in spirit. And that waxed strong means he increased in vigor. Uh, understand that this does not mean that Jesus was a strong-willed child. By any stretch of the imagination, he was not a strong-willed child, but rather spiritually and emotionally speaking, Jesus became as strong as a child could grow. Uh, there was absolutely no emotional weakness in him. His mom and dad didn't have to look under the bed to see if there were any boogers up under there, you know, that might come out. You know, they had no fears. He didn't have any insecurities. He was uh, not fearful. He did not have ADD or ADHD. And by the way, when I had when I had attention deficit, uh, my dad knew how to get my attention. And when I was disorderly, he knew how to put me back into order. I had no problem. I didn't have to take a pill for that. <laughs> there, was, there were none back when I grew up. 
but uh, my dad and mom got my attention and made sure that I was not in disorder. Jesus was as emotionally stable as one could be. We see also uh, that it says there that we see that Jesus was filled with wisdom. Not only says, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, but filled with wisdom. Intellectually speaking, he was filled with wisdom. As much as a child could be filled with wisdom, Jesus was filled with wisdom. Intellectually, he excelled. He was no dummy. I mean, he, he, he was full of wisdom. But he didn't just have knowledge. He was filled with wisdom. And wisdom is the right use of knowledge. That's the difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is knowing things. Wisdom is knowing what to do with the things you know. It's the right application of knowledge. Just as his body was not tainted by sin, neither was his intellect tainted by sin. He had full use of his faculties. Can you imagine? Full use of your faculties. But he did. Because he's the perfect sinless son of God. We see it also mentions there that great that uh, grace was upon him there. The grace of God was upon him. The favor of his heavenly Father was evident in his life. Those who were blessed to look upon Jesus and be around Jesus, when I could tell that even as a child, he was blessed as a child. Um, so these four things are all that we know about Jesus in his early childhood after his birth and before the age of 12. Now, at the age of 12, we see here that Joseph, Mary, and Jesus traveled to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. But when it came time to leave, Joseph and Mary headed home, not realizing that Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Now, we know that they were traveling with a large caravan of friends and family because the Bible says there in verse 44 that they supposed him to have been in the company. They would travel in big bands at that time or a large company together because of, uh, that, that would keep down being uh, thwarted by thieves. <laughs> you would have folks that would accost you on the road back during that time. And, and when you travel with a great company, you'd have to worry about being attacked. But it says also in that same verse that after one full day of travel, they began to seek for Jesus among their kinfolks and acquaintances, but they didn't find Jesus. Verse 45 tells us that when they didn't find him, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. Now, I want you to put yourself in Joseph and Mary's sandals for just a minute. Okay, Put yourself in their sandals. No doubt, during those three days, uh, that's what the verse 46 says and it came to pass after three days they found him during those three days there were some frantic searches there were some inquiries as well as some possible sleepless nights don't you imagine come on moms and dads you know it's true right Joseph and Mary felt all the same emotions and faced all the difficulties that parents today feel in similar circumstances. You've all been probably in a store, and then just for a moment, your child gets out of your sight, and it's like you're hit with that anxiety in a moment, and then you turn and you see them, and you're, you're relieved, right? I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the way we are. But think about three days. They had no idea where Jesus was. 
And verse 48 says they were sorrowing, they were grieving in torment. And uh, One thing could have brought them peace, a passage of Scripture that uh, Satan referred to when he tried to tempt Jesus to throw himself off the pinnacle of the temple. Uh, uh, he quoted a, a passage of Scripture from Psalm 91. I'm not going to have you turn there. Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12 says, For, for he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in, in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Listen, nothing was going to happen to Jesus. God the Father was going to see to it. Okay? Now, if Joseph and Mary had just relied upon the Word of God, they'd have had some peace there, but they were sorrowing, grieving, and torment. Verse 46 says that after three days they finally found Jesus and he was sitting in the temple in the middle of the doctors of the law and it says that Jesus was both hearing them and asking them questions. Wouldn't you like to have been a fly on the wall there? Huh? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, because verse 47 says that all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Twelve years old. And they were astonished at his understanding and answers. Now notice again, his mother said there what she said in verse number 48 when they found him. When they saw him, they were amazed. They were amazed at what they were seeing happen right there. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Now notice Jesus' response there in verse 49. And this is where I want to borrow the phrase this morning as we preach a message. And verse 49, Jesus said, How is it that ye sought me? And here's the phrase. Wished ye not? In other words, didn't you know? <laughs> Wished ye not that, that I must be about my father's business? That statement sums up the secret to a successful life as a believer. I must be about my Father's business. If you're born again this morning, you have the Heavenly Father as your Father. He's your spiritual Father. And listen, He wants us to be about His business. There are far too many believers who are more concerned about their own business than they are about the Heavenly Father's business. Hollywood and Broadway may say that there's no business like show business, but the Lord would have us to know that there's no business like our Heavenly Father's business. Some believers make time for all the things they want to do and squeeze the Lord in here and there, giving Him the leftovers of their lives. But the reason they're doing that is because they're minding their own business rather than the Heavenly Father's business. Some believers have a hard time giving sacrificially to the Lord's work of their time, their talent, and their treasure. But, but those same believers always seem to be able to have the time and treasure uh, to fulfill and satisfy their own personal lusts in their life. Why is it that way? Because they're minding their own business but not the Heavenly Father's business. Understand that it is the will of, of God for every believer to focus on minding the heavenly Father's business. In fact, in Matthew 6, 33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And we'll talk about those, those verses here a little bit more in, a, in just a minute. But I want us to 
each to ask ourselves this question this morning during the message. What does my life and lifestyle, my life and lifestyle say about whose business I am minding? Okay. By the way, being about the Heavenly Father's business is a lifestyle. It's not just a cute little phrase that we get from Jesus' childhood. It was his lifestyle. <laughs> he was always minding his Father's business. If we focus on minding our Heavenly Father's business instead of our own business, there are some wonderful things that will begin to happen in our lives. And let me give those to you this morning. This is the message. When we begin to mind God's business, number one, our priorities will change. Our priorities will change. When Jesus went missing, he was 12 years old. I want you to think about being 12 again. Okay? Just, just think about being 12 years old. Now let me ask you this. Where would you go to find a missing 12-year-old boy? Uh, playing with his friends, wrestling with other boys, having fun, fishing, or some other thing that 12-year-olds like to do. Um, maybe so, but Jesus was in the temple, sitting among the doctors, speaking with them. And why was that? Because even as a 12-year-old child, Jesus understood the need to be about his father's business, and that's what governed his priorities. We can know that from the time he was 12 to the time he was revealed in his ministry, he was still about his father's business. He was minding his father's business. Listen to, to some quotes from Jesus. In John 4.34, Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Listen to him in John 5, verse 30. He said, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Listen to John 6, verse 38. He says, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. John chapter number 17, verse number 4, at the end of his at the end of his ministry, as he's about to go to the cross, he was able to say I have, to his heavenly Father, he's praying a prayer, and he told his Father, he said, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. That's what Jesus had to say. In, in his whole life, he finished what, what his heavenly Father sent him to do. John 20, verse 21, Jesus said to them, and he's talking after he resurrected from the grave. He's talking to his disciples. He said, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Now, how did the Heavenly Father send him? The Father sent him to do his will. And Jesus said, I'm sending you to do the same thing. You need to, you need to be about the Father's business. In other words, uh, you know, we need to be like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul understood the principle in his own life. In Philippians 3.7, he said, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. In other words, Paul was saying, My life is not about me, it's about Christ and therefore God. And when Christ came into Paul's life, his priorities changed immediately. Immediately. You see the difference. And Paul understood the need to be about his heavenly father's business rather than be about his own business. And so he was able to count 
all the other things in his life as loss. And what I'm saying is this, that when we begin to be about our Heavenly Father's business, our priorities will change. Excuses for not doing what God wants us to do will go out the window. We're good at making excuses, aren't we? We just, we just are. Our problem is that most of the time, we place our own business above God's business. You know what I'm saying is true. Understand that that can even be true for pastors and preachers and others who minister. You know, I have to guard against that myself. Uh, that I don't put my business ahead of God's business. What is wrong is that oftentimes our desires are our priority, not God's desire. When God's business becomes our business, our priorities will be the things that are important to Him, not the things that are important to us. So who is in control of our priorities? That's a question. Second thing here, when we begin to mind God's business, not only will our priorities change, but our schedules will change. Joseph and Mary had a definite schedule for leaving Jerusalem and going back home. How many of you are scheduled people? Most of us are, aren't we? Uh, my wife's got a schedule for tomorrow. I can tell you, as soon as she can get in that car and start heading toward Atlanta, she's going to do it to pick up the grandkids. She's going to do that. She's got a schedule. Joseph and Mary had a definite schedule for the, when they were leaving Jerusalem and going back home. They were going to go with the, with the crowd, no doubt, that they came with, family and friends that they came with, you know, travel, travel together. Jesus could not keep their schedule for he was busy about his father's business. Now listen, when we're busy minding our own business, we're too busy to be interrupted, aren't we? Too busy to be interrupted. We're too busy to worry ourselves with someone else who may need our help. We're too busy to be concerned about some way God may want us to serve Him in the church or in the community. In Scripture, we find Jesus was busy, but Jesus was never too busy. When you take a look at what's recorded of Jesus' life, and what is recorded is from the time he began his ministry to the end of the ministry of his ministry there, uh, the three, three and a half years possibly there uh, of his ministry. Does it make you tired to read all that Jesus was involved in doing? Uh, you know, th- three years is shorter than it sounds. I mean, just think about it. We just, we just, we're in, we're in the third month of the year already. Where's the time going? But Jesus had a short, short time there. But he was never too busy. Do we have more to accomplish in our earthly life than Jesus did? I don't think so. When we mind God's business, then his schedule becomes our schedule. Luke 9, verse 23 and 24, he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Now, when we mind God's business, then we will cancel whatever we have on our schedule that conflicts with his schedule, right? When we mind God's business, we, we will say, God, I may have plans for this day, but, but feel free to change them. Not my will, but thine be done. It's okay to plan, but, it, but you need to make sure you, that you're okay with God messing with your plans, 
You got me? Has God ever messed with your plans? Huh? Do you know that we should not view interruptions as a bother, but as sometimes they're just divine appointments? If we would do that, we would get a lot less frustrated in our lives. Remember in John 4, 4, Jesus said he, he needed to go through Samaria. He said, I must needs go through Samaria. Why was that? Because he had nothing better to do? No, that wasn't it at all. Was it because it was a shortcut? No, it was actually longer. It was, it was the long way around. Um, it was out of his way. He needed to go through Samaria because his father said go. There was a woman who needed God in her life and he was busy doing his father's business. When we are minding God's business rather than our own, we allow him to set our agenda and change our agenda. Amen? God, i got this plan today. Uh, Lord willing, I'm going to do it. Amen? That's kind of what James was talking about be careful about what you say that, you, uh, that you're going to do tomorrow. You ought to be saying, Lord willing, I'm going to do this, that, or the other. Lord willing, I'm going to do that. Because God may change your schedule. When we are minding God's business, rather than our own, we allow Him to set our agenda. It's possible to get so busy with the wrong things that we become barren or unfruitful in our lives. We need to beware of the barrenness of a busy life. Just because you're busy don't mean that you can't be barren in that. As we look at our schedules, are we busy about the right things? Are we busy about the right things? So, when we begin to mind God's business, number one, our priorities will change. Number two, our schedules will change. Here's number three. When we begin to mind God's business, our lives won't be about us. It will be about others. The whole of Jesus' life was about others. Flip a page in my, in my scriptures, uh, two pages over to Luke 4, and I want you to see verse 18 and 19. And, and this is where uh, Jesus is reading out of the book of uh, Isaiah the prophet uh, in his hometown. He's in the He's in the synagogue at Nazareth and he's been delivered the book from, uh, from, of Isaiah. And when he opened the book here, look at what he read out of verse 18 and 19. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. It says, and he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down in the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. All that he read there from, uh, from Isaiah's scripture, and that's Isaiah Chapter number 61, verses 1 and 2, where he, he quoted, uh, and he, he quoted part of the verses because part of it was not yet fulfilled. Part of it was to be fulfilled later. But he, 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 what he came to fulfill, he read that part, and he was saying, this is talking about me. And all of that that he read there is talking about others. It's talking about others. He even told his disciples, 
that he was um, that way. He was about others, and they needed to be too. Uh, hold your place in our in our our section there, and flip back to Matthew's Gospel, chapter number twenty. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number twenty, and we see Jesus interacting with his uh, disciples because they are. Um, they were basically fighting among one another about who's going to be the greatest. And we see in Matthew 20, look at verse 25. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Listen, Jesus wanted his disciples to be about others because that's why he came. He came to be about others. Philippians 2 verse number 7 says, But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And he goes on saying, Being found in fashion as man, he, he, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And he did that for others. He did that for us. There was no reason for him to die except he died for us. And he, cha- he came into this world and willingly chose to die and take your death and my death on the cross of Calvary because he was about others. Several of the New Testament writers referred to themselves as servants of the Lord. Our Heavenly Father's business requires us to be servants. It requires us to be givers, not takers. It requires us to by love serve one another, as Paul told the Galatians in Galatians 5.13. By love serve one another. It, it requires us not to see what we can do for ourselves, but rather what we can do for others. Fourth thing I want us to see this morning. That is when we begin to mind God's business, we will lay aside excuses and persevere through great trials. We will persevere through great trials. We're going to lay aside the excuses. Jesus did just that in the Garden of Gethsemane. Garden of Gethsemane, we find him in Matthew 26, verse 39. He went a little further, fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. That we forget sometimes Jesus was flesh. Um, and what his father had called for him to do was it was not something that appealed to the flesh. But he knew he needed to do the Father's will because that's the, that's the reason that he came. And he prayed, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And in his capacity as, as a human, it was a difficult thing to do, but as, in his capacity as God, it's what he came to do. 
How did Jesus endure this time of great suffering leading up to and including the cross? Well, he was busy minding his father's business. It wasn't about his will as a human. It was as his, his will uh, as being the Son of God that was sent for that purpose. James 5 verse 10 tells us, Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord. For an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. We need to, to do that, don't we? First Peter 4 verse 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. When we are busy about God's business, we won't run at the first obstacle, will we? We won't. But rather we will persevere because God has placed us where we are and His grace will sustain us. 1 Peter 2, verse 21 and 23 through 23 says this, For even here in two were ye called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Jesus submitted himself to his heavenly Father. Here's the last thing. When we mind, when we begin to mind God's business, he will mind our business. Okay? When we begin to mind God's business, He will mind our business. Now I'm not going to turn to Matthew chapter number 6 this morning. You're familiar with the passage of Scripture. I've read it recently in another message. But it's the, it's the area of Scripture. It's in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus talked about take no thought for your life. And when he said, take no thought for your life, he said, you know, don't, don't think about where you're going to live, what you're going to put on your body, how you're going to eat, you know, he said, the Gentiles, they, those are the things that they are worried about. But he said, take no thought. Uh, he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We see some examples in, in Scripture. Uh, remember Elijah and the widow of Zarephath as he, as he came to her, and uh, she, here she's, got, she's at the bottom of the barrel of a meal and her oil. At the scrape in the bottom of the barrel, and he, said, and he told her, he said, uh, "You fix me a little cake first, and God will take care of the rest of it." And she did that, and God made that bottom of the barrel last for a long time. Amen. When we mind God's business, and she minded God's business by taking care of the man of God. Took care of the man of God. And when she did that, God blessed her in providing for her and her son. And I didn't mention Jesus. Um, when we begin to mind God's business, He will mind our business. Jesus went to the cross. He gave His life. What was there in it for Him? He did it for us. What was in it for Him? Well, 
Philippians 2, verse 8 through 11 says, Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, in other words, because he did that, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He minded his father's business. And his father elevated his name. Amen. When we mind our own business, listen, when we mind our own business, we become stingy, we become selfish, we become worried, full of anxiety. It's the reason why I sang that song this morning. All your anxiety, all your care, leave it at the mercy seat. <laughs> Bring it to the mercy seat, leave it there. We, we become stingy, selfish, worried, resentful, anxious, and we never seem to have enough. But when we mind God's business, oh, how He blesses above measure. And He satisfies our every need. So in closing, whose business are we minding? We need to ask ourselves that question this morning. Are we minding our business? Or are we minding God's business? If we're going to be Christ-like, we need to move from minding our own business to minding God's business. And that begins first with salvation. See? God's business is that you repent and believe the gospel. Amen? He sent Jesus to do His will, do the Father's will, so that those such as ourselves would do the business of God and, and repent of our sins, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that, come and we'll help you find Jesus today. But if you have done that, whose business are you minding? Take time to mind God's business first. And you'll be glad you did. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the example of Jesus. Lord, uh, even as a young child at, at age 12, uh, a good example of him minding your business. And Lord, we know that his entire life was about that. And each step of the way, he acknowledged you as his heavenly father. He, he set aside the independent use of uh, his divine attributes and, and he depended upon you as His Heavenly Father. And Lord, help us to Lord, uh, set aside our ideas of what we think that we need to do and Lord, to depend upon You and to mind Your business rather than ours and be willing to have You mess with our plans if need be because You know best for us. Help us to not be anxious in our life as things that we look at it become messed up. We, we can look at things and, and we get all anxious because things are not going the way we planned. And we need to look at it from the, from the aspect, well, what is God? How's, how's the Lord looking at this? How is, how is my Heavenly Father viewing this? And why is He allowing this in my life? What purpose is there in this? And Lord, help us to learn from Your purposes your business. Help us to mind your business, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.